busy time of year this time of year our focus right now is improving our roster that's the window that we're in got all our coaches here all our scouts here we're excited to get underway when we look at last season it's a multitude of facts you know and it's not just one person it's not just the quarterback from wgn radio it's adam hogue and from the athletic it's adam johns we made some staff changes and you know, evaluating our own roster it's creating competition at quarterback and throughout our entire roster here they are the adams hogan johns what's up welcome in hogan johns another athletic episode here for you this week I love this intro. It's a good one. Puts you in good mood. Ernie Scatton does a great job with our opens. Love everything he does production-wise for this podcast. Joe Romano, too. We've got a good team here and have for a long, long time. Welcome in. Uh, we are still kind of in this in-between period between the uh, NFL Combine and free agency and, you know, kind of all these same questions that we've been talking about for a while. As, yeah. as I think we said last week on this podcast, cannot wait for actual things to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. Yes. That would be nice. So we did a, we did a little bit of a, a kind of a look ahead thing here for you. Um, as, you know, we were in Indianapolis last week at the Combine. We had some opportunities to talk to certain people. And uh, one of the guys we really want to talk to was the legendary Dan Pompey. The one and only. He's in the Hall of Fame himself. He is. Dick McCann Award winner. Started covering the Bears. Maybe you've heard of this year in Bears history. In 1985. How about that for a start? That, that pretty good year, I, right? And I can imagine like you, you're covering the Bears in 1985. Oh, every year is going to be like this. Yeah, I feel like I, I've seen some of these guys around. You know? Right? We've yeah. seen I mean, We know these guys? Oh, I've heard of them. Oh, yeah. okay. But if you're Dan Pompey and you're like, oh, okay, so they're going to go to the Super Bowl every year. <laughs> Nope. Oh, one time since. One time since. And still trying to get back there. Um, but he does write for The Athletic right here. You can uh, read his stuff right on this very app that you're listening to this podcast. And um, does obviously a great job. The story he's, he pulls out during the season, the people he gets he talks to and gets access to is pretty incredible. Speaks to the uh, type of reporter and worker that Dan Pompey has always been, and that's why he's in the Hall of Fame. We were fortunate enough to talk to him. Again, this was recorded last week at the Combine. Wanted to bring it to you, though, uh, this week as we kind of bridge the gap between the Combine and free agency. So here he is, Dan Pompey. Well, we're happy to welcome in the great Dan Pompey. Don't roll your eyes. <laughs> Another year in Indy. Another year, yeah. It's been a lot of years here for the Combine and for uh, certain reporters with gray hair at their temples. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still, you still get a get kick out of coming to Indianapolis for these few days and kind of seeing everybody in this relatively intimate environment? Yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's uh, a good chance to network with a lot of people. Like you said, you see everybody here. And uh, it, it's become probably the only place where you really have a lot of direct contact with so many people in the NFL. Uh, the Senior Bowl used to be more like that, but I think that's grown so much that it's changed some. Uh, the NFL owners meetings used to be a little like that uh, without all the people at the various levels of the organization. 
that's grown a lot. And of course, the combine has just exploded in the number of people who come here. Um, at one point, you know, it was basically just uh, the team personnel and the the players who are participating in the combine, and then a, a, just a handful of media members. Uh, now, of course, uh, we've got fifteen hundred credentialed media wow. members here. Uh, we've got all kinds of people from ancillary businesses who kind of work off of the NFL. You've got people from colleges. You've got you've just got thousands and thousands of people uh, who are trying to. Uh, you know, make some kind of contact with this event. And uh, it, it really is incredible the way it's changed. What was that like back then? Our, our good friend John Moon Mullen often shares the story about when he first started covering the NFL and he came down to Indianapolis for the Combine, that his first one or one of his first ones was was when Peyton Manning, of all players, was coming out. And he just happened to be in the hallway when Peyton Manning is coming through, who's going to be the number one overall pick. So he just stopped them without knowing him, and they had talked for about 15, 20 minutes for a story. Was it really like that? Is that another John Moon Mullen story? Yeah, or no, like- it was like that. And, and uh, even in the years before that, uh, there was a point in time when uh, the players stayed at the Holiday Inn. That, they stayed there until, I think, this year or last year. Uh, and all the team interviews were at the Holiday Inn, and a lot of the work was done at that hotel. And... Um, you know, when I started coming, there were maybe 10 media members here, and no more than that. And um, we could just walk in the Holiday Inn. There was no security. There was nobody to stop you. You could walk in and not you could go knock on a player's door if you want to. Uh, you, you had access to anything you wanted, and uh, everybody was open and willing, and um, it was completely different time. So, so what strikes you maybe as the most significant changes we sit here in, in 2020 is it the 1500 media members is it just how restrictive in, in how scheduled everything is what kind of stands out to to you with the differences yeah I, I would say both of those things you know uh i would say certainly the presence of television at one point it was a highly guarded secret what happened you know behind the curtain and uh the only way to do it was to get to to find out what was going on was to do a little digging and get some reporting and you know nobody knew the times uh, of of what players were running or uh, their their test scores any of that stuff uh, until uh, a few days after the fact usually when you had a chance to maybe corner somebody and get some and things would leak out slowly uh, now of course uh, we've got all the information as soon as it happens uh, it's a prime time event um, you know the NFL has tried to market this uh, when there was a time when it, it, it tried to close it off so it's a complete uh, turnaround in terms of how they have approached this event well I'm amazed that they actually get fans to show up for this and that started, I think, three years ago. They big. They moved things over to the three or four years ago. Moved things over to the convention center and set up the fan experience. And people actually come here to, to look at the players lift weights. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I mean, it shows you just the power of the NFL and the power of the game of football. Maybe that that people are so interested in any little aspect of it that they uh, will come to something like this, which frankly to me is very boring to watch yeah. i mean the results are are somewhat interesting uh but to sit there and watch it for three four hours uh on tv or in the stands uh to me is, is a boring thing to do why do you think teams 
seems like every year it goes by, teams get more and more guarded and more more and more protective about whether it's just information or access. I mean, that seems like something that's also changed more and more over the years as events like this have grown and grown. Yeah, I think... Uh you know, it's it's a defense me- mechanism because you've seen so many uh, media members trying to compete for the same piece of pie that so fewer me- media members had were competing for before. So now, I think uh, teams are saying, uh, you know, we'll shut it all off. We've all got our own ways of getting the information out, our own websites, our own uh, video crews, uh, you know, that, that's a big part of the increase in media here, too, is, is the team media. So um, I, I think, um, you know, the, the teams are at the point now where they want almost all of their information that gets out to the public given to the media on a podium or in a press release. You know, they don't really want the, uh, the, the personal touch that I think at one point was really encouraged uh, between the media and the public. Yeah, if, if you go by Radio Row, or had been by Radio Row here, it, there's so many teams now with their own productions their own radio stations. Larry Mayer of the Bears said there were 75 staff members from the Chicago Bears here. It's, it's almost as many as the Athletic. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, true. But that's, that's another part of, of the growth of the NFL media. So, like, looking forward, talking to people in Indianapolis, it, it just seemed like, especially, especially coaches, there, there's a lot of downtime, uh, a lot of gaps between things. They're, they're not sure how things are going to play out at night. They're worried about performances, and they're not going to even overrate these performances. And the interviews are a bit different. These are long days for kids. Like, like what do you think is next? We've heard the, the Las Vegas rumblings. We've heard the, the, the L.A. rumblings. How do you think that would change what the combine is? Yeah, I really think uh, there's a good chance it's going to end up in L.A. To me, that makes perfect sense uh, because – you've got a couple advantages that you don't have here. First, you've got, um, well, you've got a brand new facility being built that, from what I understand, uh, can give you all of the same advantages that Indianapolis can. Plus, you've got the weather situation where, you know, here's always a little bit of a pins and needles situation. Uh, you know, are people going to be able to get in? Are they going to be able to get out because you're in February in the Midwest? Uh, it's literally it, snowing out this window yeah, as, as we, we, as we look at the snow. And uh, I, I think, you know, the other thing is you're in the, in the back, uh, backyard of the NFL network. And this, is, this would be, I think, a great opportunity for them uh, to be able to market this further and make it more of a, of a production, a TV production, and, um, you know, uh, sell tickets and uh, raise more interest in, in the event in the league. And that's what they want. I want to hit a couple other topics, and I've been dying to talk to you about the Bears scrapbook that you and Don Pearson worked on and and, uh, put out last summer. When I got it, I couldn't put it down. Like, it was just – it honestly was an eye-opener to me at how little I actually knew about such a large time period of the franchise's history. Um, And it was just awesome to be able to go back and and read all that. What – what can you tell us about just that experience i'm assuming it was uh 
both stressful and rewarding put it, put, putting all that together a, in the end yeah that's a good way to yeah. put it adam yeah. thank you for the kind words uh you know one of the problems that we had is exactly what you talked about you know this huge mountain of history right how do you kind of go through that mountain and take out the the rocks that are important or that are interesting or significant and put them on the pages of this book and uh you know we we uh to me that was one of the keys to the whole thing is just kind of how how do we how do we package it how do we figure the thing out and uh i think what we ended up doing is said saying that we don't want a, a linear look at the bears history and we don't want to get into a situation where we're telling you uh, what happened uh, uh on a play by play in a in a game in 1943 or something uh we wanted to to look at it more like uh uh, themes in their history and uh, different things that that stood out, like uh, you know their drafts, for instance, or, uh, or or their their championship teams, or some of the characters on the team. Uh, we looked at certain individual players who we thought you know left huge footprints on on the team's history, and um, w- so we did it in a way that was a little. I don't know, you might say choppy or, or different from what you'd normally find in a book like that. Uh, but I think the result was, was pretty interesting, and we had a, a lot of people involved uh, uh, from George McCaskey on down. And, of course, uh, it was great working with Don Pearson, who's uh, one of my idols in the business. Well, one of my favorite parts was the how you guys laid out the building of the 85 Bears. That was just kind of cool to see how, how it all really came together. Another observation I had, though, and maybe this is a good transition to talk about some some current football too, is early on in the book there's mention of plenty of mention of Mitchell Trubisky, like early on in the book, and I it was just an observation that I noticed, and it was like, well, like this has been the guy that the the Bears believe in, and they're, they're really hoping is the franchise quarterback forever, and this is just like another here he is right in front of you, and of course. As I'm reading this, this was all before last season uh, happened, but I just I just found that interesting that uh, that that Trubisky was featured so early. Well, I'll tell you what what happened is uh, so we had been working on the book for a few years, and um, we had most of it done after the 2018 season, uh, but then you know they had this fantastic season, and uh, we're sitting there saying, well. You know, this book's going to be coming out in 2019. What happens if they have a great team? You know, Mitchell Trubisky's coming off a Pro Bowl season. What happens if they, you know, they're a Super Bowl-type contender? That's why everyone's going to be interested in the book, if they are. And, uh, you know, we need to address that. We need to have... So we actually started adding some things, uh, you know, in between the 2018 uh, season and, you know, probably that, that spring or whatever uh, that reflected the current team and uh, we wanted to make sure that we gave them their due because of that 2018 season. What I liked about it is there was a level of honesty. It just wasn't full of praise, you know, for 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 Hallis or for, you know for founding the league or saving the league or the 85 Bears or the 63 Bears. There was a part called the you know the quarterback stretch, and you know there was a part on draft misses. How did that come into play in terms of you know? discussing and putting in that it seems like obviously the team was open to acknowledging some of their failures well one of the first things that we discussed with uh george mccaskey and uh 
I think Ted Phillips was in on the conversation and Scott Hagel uh, when we were talking about the possibility of doing the book. They came to Don and I and asked us to do the book. And, um, uh, you know, Don and I were a little concerned because we didn't want to write just a story that uh, wasn't truthful or didn't didn't have the complete history. And uh, George said, uh, I want the story to be told warts and all. And that was music to our ears and... Uh, that was one of the reasons that we were interested in doing the project, and that's how we tried to tell it. And there were some blunt parts and uh, a lot of stuff I didn't know, but going back to things I learned and some of the faults back in the day. Um, it, anyway, fans should, if they haven't picked this book up, they can still get it. And it's it's if you're a Bears fan, it's a, it's an unbelievable project that you guys did. So congrats on, congrats on you. it. But you won't be able to get it for long, by the way, because they only made... Uh, they sold out of the first printing. They made a second printing. And my understanding is that's it. They're not making any more. Oh. So when the second printing sells out, uh, that will be it. And I don't know how many are left. but uh, Make it a collector's item. Yeah. The, the only place you could get it is uh, chicagobears.com. It's not on Amazon. It's not in Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Well, I highly recommend it. Let's talk a little bit about this current team. Uh, what were... Uh, <laughs> the ongoing <laughs> quest for a quarterback, which has been the, the story of this team pretty much throughout the entire time you've been around them too. What, what did you kind of make of the things we heard from Ryan Pace and, and uh, Matt Nagy this weekend in Indianapolis? Um, you know, I, I think they were kind of the same old thing that we've been hearing all along. Nothing surprising, nothing really uh, new, um, kind of what I expected. Um, and I think, you know, they – all along have left themselves some wiggle room uh, to do uh, something at that position that might raise some eyebrows uh, but I don't think it's necessarily something that they are driven to do um, you know they, they probably would need a lot of things to fall the right way uh, for them to end up with a, a surprising move uh, but but I do continue to sense as I I'm sure you guys do a, a strong Com commitment to Mitch Trubisky and um, you know it, it's going to be a complete stunner if he's not the starting quarterback on opening day. I, I just I'm trying to wrap my mind around the word competition. I wrote a column on The Athletic about it is I, I don't know what level of competition they can bring in at the prices that they want who could push him out. I, I mean I think everybody always likes, you know, the backup quarterback, you know, for, for obvious reasons. Chicago's had a love affair with the backup quarterbacks, but let's let's be honest, they're a backup for a reason. I don't know if even like a Marcus Mariota, given his injury history, given what happened in Tennessee, even has it in him to push Mitch Trubisky out of a starting lineup. Well, I, I think the, it depends, Adam, on how Mitch Trubisky performs, right? If he has a training camp like he did last season and, and everyone's honest and open about it, you know, maybe it's not going to take a, a great quarterback to at least make it close or to, or to, uh, to even beat him out. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the fact that there are so many quarterbacks potentially available uh, is going to give them some interesting options. And, you know, there are guys out there who have fallen out of favor with their team or who no longer are fits with their team uh, who have been winners in the league before and have had stretches where they've played pretty damn well you know guys like Andy Dalton and Case Keenum uh, and and they're going to be available it looks like so um, 
you know, may, maybe there are some potential fits there where uh, the Bears can find a guy and, and bring him in and uh, make it at least so that they have a fallback option in the event that Trubisky does not make the gains that they anticipate him making. Where do you stand on Mitch right now? Because this was something we we talked about the other day on our podcast as everyone seems so eager to already want to replace Mitch. I think sometimes you forget, though, that, like, to me at least, the, the really extremely high expectations that came in with drafting a guy number two overall and trading up for him have somewhat clouded the fact that at least I still think he's a decent quarterback. Like, he obviously has faults. I think there's room to improve. But I guess the the thing that we went after is are you sure that whatever quarterback that you're actually going to be able to convince to come come in here, knowing that there's still a young quarterback they sort of are committed to, is that guy really going to be better than what Mitch Trubisky either is now or can still become? Well, I think what we could say is it would have been difficult for almost any quarterback to carry the team last year under the circumstances yep. that Mitch Trubisky was in. So it's a little bit difficult, maybe unfair, to make a sweeping judgment of him and say, you know, he absolutely cannot play. Uh, but uh, he certainly is not where everyone hoped he would be at this point in his career. And, um, you know, there are some reasons to wonder if he ever will get there. Um, you know, s- some things that we have seen uh consistent inconsistencies I'll say in his play that that uh, raised some red flags and uh, you know I, I think uh, we're at a point now where uh, he's not a should be considered a developing quarterback anymore I know you know the 11 starts in college and all that but uh, you know we're at a point now where you need where you need production from him and uh, you know I, I think uh, the best you could probably hope for with him is that uh, he he is a quarterback that you can win with, as opposed to being a quarterback you win because of. Yeah, I think that's fair at this point. A couple more things for you, because um, you you would have good perspective on this. As I look at what could po- possibly happen in these next coming weeks across the NFL, with the amount of high level, high priced quarterbacks that are suddenly available in one off season, the way this is. The ones we know about that are hitting free agency, the ones that could be traded as a result of some team signing another one. How does this compare to some of the other off seasons that, that you've seen? Because for me, this is this uh, to me, I feel like it's going to be the, the craziest couple of weeks that that I've ever seen at this point in, in March. Yeah, I've, I've never seen a, a season where so many big name guys who've been established starting quarterbacks uh, might potentially move teams, uh, but. I'll say this, you know, we're, we're still uh, a few weeks away. How many weeks away from the start of free agency? Are we three or four? Yeah, we're, there's time. Plenty yeah, of time. Yeah, there's a lot of time for this to settle down, you know, and uh, oftentimes it does settle down, and some of the movement that we think might happen doesn't end up happening because, you know, Tom Brady resigns with the Patriots and, uh, you know, some some of the, the, the big dominoes that we think will create a lot of this havoc end up staying where they're at, but... Clearly, there are going to be some who move. You know, Teddy Bridgewater is going to move. Philip Rivers is going to move. Um, it sure looks like Jameis Winston is going to move. Um, and uh, then there's a lot of other guys who are in this. Well, we're not quite sure, or, or there are guys who we're not even sure uh, might move as starters, or are they only going to move as backups? Yeah, for for you, what what what's it like seeing the the importance of the quarterback position? Like, 
you started in 1985 when the Bears had Jim McMahon and they had Walter Payton and there was everybody loved running backs back then and and now it's just the the endless pursuit of quarterbacks. Of course, the Bears have always been in this situation, but it's such a quarterback league now. You know, what do you make of the haves and have-nots, especially given today's stance on, on the NFL? Yeah, well, it was interesting because we did see some teams in the postseason this year uh, who who did very well without, you know, Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, right? We saw the San Francisco 49ers, who were a team that was, you know, not unlike the 85 Bears, uh, mostly built on defense. And, uh, you know, they were, they were not the same kind of team that we're accustomed to seeing uh, in terms of the, the quarterback-reliant uh, team. And, and uh, of course, the Tennessee Titans had a nice long run. They were a team like that. The Seahawks did pretty well, uh, although uh, they've, got, they've got a quarterback who might end up in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, they, they're still not the same type of team. So um, I don't think you cannot win the other way anymore. Uh, but you certainly have a huge head start when you have the kind of quarterback that the Kansas City Chiefs have. Uh, or, or even, you know, you look at Lamar Jackson's impact in Baltimore and, you know, you say, wow, you know, he certainly tilted the field for them. Um, so I think what we're seeing is, you know, quarterback play is so much better than it's ever been. Uh, because in part because these kids are in passing camps when they're uh, shortly out of diapers. And, uh, you know, the, the, the quarterback science has really developed. And, and then I, I think, uh, you know, the, the way that coaches have evolved the passing game has really uh, driven everyone down that lane as well. So um, if you can go there, great. But if you can't, you need to recognize that and find another way to do it. And I thought the Bears failed at that last year. Dan Pompey, great stuff. Appreciate it. All right. Fun having My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. All right. A fun conversation there with Dan Pompey. Good to have him on the podcast. Yeah, the perspective on what the combine once was, where there's a dozen media members. That's insane. Now to 1,500? Yeah. Did you see that question asked to that? I, I can't remember the cornerback that was asked the question um, by some reporter, if you want to call him that. I don't even know who it is. But so some cornerback yeah, okay, got asked you. some question by some reporter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember that. It went viral. Give me a second. Gosh <laughs> darn you, Adam Hogue. <sighs> no. Keep talking. Just well, keep what was talking. your point? It had to do just with just the amount talking. of reporters there? It was a clown question, bro. Oh, yeah. There's Well, <laughs> if you want to get clown questions... <laughs> Welcome to the NFL Combine. There's no question about that. So the, the Ohio State quarterback, how do you pronounce his last name? Jeff? What question are you asking me? Okay, Matt, I'm getting to it. Oh, Jeff Akuda. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Where he's asked about his sloppy play and the penalties that he's committed. Like, there's clarifications going back and forth. And the guy basically goes, well, I didn't have any penalties last year. <laughs> So go cut up the tape again, bro. <laughs> like, and that went viral. Nice. Charles Tillman. You know him? You've heard of him? I've heard of him. Dan Pompey covered him too. He did. Yes. Yes, we all did. Did the little clown head emoji. So he called it a clown question, bro. Just saying. To quote Bryce Harper. Yeah. 
yes. Okay, I, I don't mean to be ripping on another reporter. No, but, but your point is there's a ton of it's reporters changed there. so much. Even when we were started covering it eight years ago, we used to be in that sweet area. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we're in the, the convention center. Well, because now it is a full convention. That's what it is. You know, we talked about that. The Athletic had everybody there. It's not just media organizations. It's um, like the trainers from all over, the athletic trainers from all over the country. Multiple, if you're like related to football, there's a good chance that whatever your subsection is, is going to have some type of meeting or get together at the combine. That's what it's become. Yeah, yeah. you know, I was thinking about this. You know, the one dude I felt bad for was the guy trying to pass out? <laughs> I know uh, where you're going. <laughs> what? what? The, the dude trying to pass out the um, pre workout. He had some kind of drink. Yes, he it was pre workout drink. Yes. Yeah. And if you're familiar with pre workout, so you get all these people walking through the hallways of the convention center, right? You have all these NFL types. But if you're familiar with, familiar with pre workout, some of this pre-workout actually has, makes you like go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about this guy who's basically passing out maybe like a laxative. <laughs> to I, don't, I don't know that that's what it was, but... I don't. For all we know, it's like the, the non-diarrheal I, <laughs> for, of right. pre-workout. I do know that must have passed that guy a total of 25 times poor arm. during the week. Yeah. And he's still standing there with the tray. <laughs> like, How did his wrist just not give up yes and, and his arm just fall off yes and our podcast earlier 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 this week for wj we complained about our legs this guy this guy's he's gonna have like you he, know surgery on his wrist he definitely has carpal tunnel syndrome yes yeah just from last week <laughs> poor dude it's unbelievable still yeah. uh, still icing it a week uh, later the, the one thing we we you know just talking to dan pompey in there it, it's interesting to me how teams have started to approach um well, let me put it, just change. They, some teams change the way they operate this year with the changes to the combine. We we ran into even a couple times some coaches together last week that were kind of complaining. They had time uh, to kill. All, so they talked to us. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, Greg, we got to run into Hogan Johns here. Uh, usually I'd be working right now, but I got all day to kill because the damn NFL moved the workouts to prime time. Yes. Uh, I mean, but I also, I read some things that agents weren't happy because the prospects were sitting around all day. Yeah. You know, everything was at night. Meetings were at night. Then the workouts were at night. That's why I think we saw teams like the Rams and the Broncos, which was reported a couple weeks before the combine, were leaving some guys home. They yes. just felt like they could be better utilize their time at back at their own offices doing the prep for the season. Now, what I found was interesting is it felt like the Bears were on the complete opposite of that spectrum. They had virtually everyone down there, it seemed like. and But to their credit, I mean, they were using the afternoons to have their own meetings, and we heard Matt Nagy talk about how he was having his coaches meet, and they were basically, I think, doing a lot of the same things they would be doing at Hal's Hall. Yeah, Nagy, like, Nagy used the, the openings to his advantage. Yeah, so I mean the, the I, but my point is I think the Bears were still operating the same that they would have at House Hall during the day, getting things done, and then they still had all their interviews and workouts and stuff at night. Yes, too. yes. They also had like seventy five people down there. Yeah. That now that's not just scouting staff. That's media relations staff. That's video staff. That's digital media staff. Some doctors. A lot of people. So well, it's also only a three hour drive mm-hmm. for them, so they can go back and forth, but. 
I thought that was notable. I'm still amazed every year that these players literally go through 32 physicals. That is just insane. Yes. Could you imagine going through 32 physicals? And, like, it is painful how, enough to go to one physical a year. How about if you're a guy with like knee questions? And I know they got the, the MRI stuff, but like to go through various MRIs. And I'm not saying you have to go through them all. You know, I think there's some sharing of information there. Yeah, but, there is. Yes, I know like, certain teams kind of have trust with certain teams. Yes, yes. But like, I mean, that would just stink. I mean, I, I've had an MRI on my knee before, and that's. You fall asleep a little bit. <laughs> it takes forever. I had one last year. I think it took 30 minutes. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. kind of relaxing, actually. You think so? I didn't have to put my whole body in. Just no. wa- yeah. waist down and just chilled. Just chilled. They do tell you, though, do not move. I know. Or you have to start over. Like, I'm a guy who gets the occasional itch somewhere. Don't do it. Don't do it. That's torturous. Don't do that it. That is torturous. I do think sometimes... That the the free agency buzz kind of overshadows some of the the actual draft scouting buzz of the combine. Well, there's almost two different things. At least recently, yeah, there's two things happening. Part of the reason why there's so much media there is because there are there's a ton of media that's just there to cover the prospects. You, you it, like the NFL draft media, um, but you also have now you don't just have the NFL teams that have their media there. You have college teams that send their media there. You know, if you're a D1 program that has, like, if you're Alabama. They're there. And you have eight prospects, I think, that were at the Combine. Um, might have been more than that. I think it was eight. Anyway, you're there covering those players. So it all of a sudden becomes a centralized hub of all the college reporters, NFL reporters, all the extra people that just feel like they need to be there because it's like the NFL's annual convention. So it gets kind of crazy. Yes, yes, yes. We were, I found this unique. I know we're going to run here soon, but I was watching since the, the drills were in prime time, I was watching some of the sprints, the 40 yard dash and whatnot with other reporters. And there's other staff members that were, not part of the the in stadium evaluations for you know for various teams and whatnot, and we we're all watching the wide receivers run. And when that guy from Alabama, what's his name, Henry Ruggs, yep, ran his what four point two nine, there were some oohs and ahs. So I thought that was kind of unique to see like actual NFL people react firsthand yeah. to it. Like oh okay yeah yes I forget who it was, but there was some guy running, and they cut to Matt Rule, the new Panthers head coach. Yeah, and. They cut him right at the right time, and he looked at the person next to him, and you could tell this was like, okay, like yeah. that was like the look on his face yeah. was just like, oh, yeah, all right, okay. I know. And then he wrote that, and he wrote down some notes. Yes. So yes, it it is that is kind of interesting to get those those kind of reactions. Yes, or even like, I, I, first of all, the NFL's combine coverage it's not for everybody, but the NFL Network does a really good job, and Daniel Jeremiah. Does I think does a phenomenal job. Yes, um, yes. he really likes. Was a kid from LSU, the LSU wide receiver. Someone ran and he was like, "This is just, this guy's just really good." Reminds me of Keenan Allen. He's not going to run fast right here. And as he was running, he ran a four four four, and he goes, "Oh, never mind." Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> yes, like, and yeah. it was like great. Yeah. It's like a great call. Great call of a forty. Can you have a great call of a forty? 
I guess so. They 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 managed yeah. to do it. I mean, Rich yeah. Eisen and Dan- Daniel Jeremiah managed. Well, to make they it make fun. the whole thing entertaining. Yeah, I'll give them that. You and know? then you got Steve Smith down on the field, just like ripping guys. Yeah. <laughs> What's that mean? It's entertaining. <laughs> he was he was the one button ripping Kurt Warner for getting voted off Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> yeah. When someone says, "Do your research," like Vic Fangio was yeah. told Jay Stankovitz, like knowing to have that Kurt Warner bit ready. Got to give him credit for doing his research. Do your research. That's right. All right. Uh, well, I think we've covered the combine about as well as we possibly can yeah. over the last two weeks. But there's always plenty of good content there. So we want to make sure we got it to you um, and wanted to bring you that interview with Dan Pompey. Hopefully, though, now we can move on to some news, maybe. Free agency. We'll see. We got another week here, but things start to come out. I'm sure there'll be some NFL news, and uh, we've got one more week to kind of fill here, but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. We're going to have some new players to discuss here on the Bears really soon, and uh, hey, maybe a trade or two. Maybe Ryan Pace shocks the world. Uh, he's good at that. He does do that. Smokescreen specialist. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can read me at WGNRadio.com. Adam Johns at The Athletic. Ding, ding. Right where you're listening to this. Check out Dan Pompey's stuff, too. Yes. And a lot of good stuff. Definitely should. Hopefully always. you enjoyed that interview. We're out of here. We'll talk to you next week, though, on the Hogan Johns Podcast. We'll be here. Do your research.